हरे कृष्णा जय राधा मारवा कुंज बिहारी जय राधा Kanjabi Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Girivada Dari Yashodanandana Braja Janananjana Yashodanandana Braja Janananjana Jamuna Tiravanachari Jamuna Tiravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kanjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kanjabi Hari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Girivada Dari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Girivada Dari Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare, 
Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Prabhupada, 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 Jaya Jaya, Prabhupada. Jaya Jaya, Gurudev, 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 Jaya Jaya, Gurudev. Itai go premanande, Vishivarakalachanji ki, Savior of the whole world, Srila Prabhupada ki. Jai Prabhu, have a great day. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 13, Text Number 47 Hare Krishna Prabhu Ahastani sahastanam apadani chatuspadam Falguni tatra mahatam jivo jivasya jivanam Ahastani sahastanam apadanani chatuspadam Falguni Tatra Mahatam Jivo Jivasya Jivanam Ahastani Sahastanam Apadani Chatuspadam Falguni Tatra Mahatam Jivo Jivasya Jivanam Ahastani Those who are devoid of hands Sahastanam, of those who are endowed with hands. Apadani, those who are devoid of legs. Chatu Padam, those who have four legs. Falguni, those who are weak. Tatra, there. Mahatam, of the powerful. Jiva, the living being. Jivasya, of the living being. Jivanam, Subsistence. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki. Jai. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands.
Those devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. And the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Those devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. And the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. Purport. A systematic law of subsistence in the struggle for existence is there by the supreme will, and there is no escape for anyone by any amount of planning. The living beings who came to the material world against the will of the supreme being are under the control of a, of a supreme power called Maya Shakti, the deputy agent of the Lord. And this Daivi Maya is meant to pinch the conditioned souls by threefold miseries, one of which is explained here in this verse. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. No one is strong enough to protect himself from the onslaught of a stronger. By And by the will of the Lord, there are systematic categories of the weak, the stronger and the strongest. There is nothing to be lamented if a tiger eats a weaker animal, including a man, because that is the law of the Supreme Lord. But although the law states that a human being must subsist on another living being, there is the law of good sense also, for the human being is meant to obey the laws of the Scriptures. This is impossible for other animals. The human being is meant for self-realization, and for that purpose, he is not to eat anything which is not first offered to the Lord. The Lord accepts from His devotee all kinds of food preparations made of vegetables, fruits, leaves, and grains. Fruits, leaves, and milk in different varieties can be offered to the Lord, and after the Lord accepts the foodstuff, the devotee can partake of the prashad by which all suffering in the struggle for existence will be gradually mitigated. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text 26. Even those who are accustomed to eat animals can offer foodstuff, not directly to the Lord, but to an agent of the Lord under certain conditions of religious rites. Injunctions of the Scriptures are meant not to encourage the eaters of animals, but to restrict them by regulative principles. The living being is the source of subsistence for other, stronger living beings. No one should be very anxious for his subsistence in any circumstances because there are living beings everywhere and no living being starves for want of food at any place. Maharaj Yudhisthira is advised by Narada not to worry about his uncle's suffering for want of food, for they could live on vegetables available in the jungles as prashad of the Supreme Lord and thus realize the path of salvation. Exploitation of the weaker living being by the stronger is the natural law of existence. There is always an attempt to devour the weak in different kingdoms of living beings. 
There is no possibility of checking this tendency by any artificial means under material conditions. It can be checked only by awakening the spiritual sense of the human being by practice of spiritual regulations. The spiritual regulative principles, however, do not allow a man to slaughter weaker animals on one side and teach others peaceful coexistence. If man does not allow the animals peaceful coexistence, how can he expect peaceful coexistence in human society? The blind leaders must therefore understand the supreme being and then try to implement the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, or Ram Raja, is impossible without the awakening of God consciousness in the mass mind of the people of the world. Omagana Tirandasya Jananjanan Salakaya Chakshu Unmilitam Jaina Tazmai Sri Gurvena Maha Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Shapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Didanti Swapadantikam. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master is opening my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisances unto the dust of his lotus feet. Namaum Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prestaya, Bhutale, Srimati Tamal, Krishna Goswami Niti Namane. Namaum Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prestaya, Bhutale, Srimati Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Niti Namane. Namaste, Saraswati Deve, Gauravani, Pacharine, Nirvisesha, Sunyavari, Paskatare, Shatarine. Vanchakalpaturubhascha, Kripa Sindhubhasdevacha, Patitanam, Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo, Namo Namaha. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasari Gura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So we're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1 Chapter 13 Dhritarashtra quits home In this 47th verse we're hearing uh, Narda Muni, the great saint, interplanetary, interplanetary traveling, wonderful person to give assistance to the devotees. Narda Muni always appears at key moments. Such a wonderful personality, spreading Krishna consciousness, chanting on his vena. And he comes at opportune moments when he knows uh, devotees need to hear some uh, philosophy, some explanation, some solace. They need some help. And this is how the spiritual master uh, acts in our life. He's there when we need him. The spiritual master is there in times of trouble and difficulties. And uh, we have to listen to what the spiritual master says and, and not get overwhelmed with the difficulties of the material world. It's easy to think that there are material solutions to these uh, endless problems, but there's not. Prabhupada makes it very clear, at least twice in the purport, um, that there, there's absolutely uh, no material solution uh, to these to these problems. Uh, and it's interesting how he brings this out in this verse, and it's almost a, uh, it's a very interesting statement that Narada Muni makes to Yudhisthira. 
Yudhisthira is uh, forlorn. He is sad. He is, he is worried about his uncle and his aunt. Why? He knows the philosophy. He knows they're just spirit souls. They're not their bodies. But number one, he's the king. And so he has a duty to all of his subjects. Plus, these are family members. Practically, they are um, not, well, they are exactly family members, but they're also uh, family members who've been through a great, uh, great difficulty. And, and Dhritarashtra and, and Gandharvi have lost all their sons. They've lost money, wealth, power, prestige, uh, the leadership of the, of the world. And so, um, Yudhisthira was always lamenting, you know, how they must feel. And he, he felt bad for them as a soft-hearted person, but also as a uh, sharp-minded leader. He was, he cared about his subjects. And so, he's lamenting. He's, he's, he's worried. Well, they've left. They didn't say anything to anyone. They just left. They did not even tell Sanjaya. And Sanjaya feels forlorn too because he had done everything for Dhritarashtra. And you can just imagine, uh, what, how much a blind king must need. You know, he's materially blind. King couldn't do so many things. He must have relied on Sanjaya so tremendously. Even more so than a king who could see relies so tremendously on his advisors and helpers and managers. Sanjaya must have really, really had a tremendous amount of responsibility. And, and so from this, when persons, uh, serve each other in this way, there, there can be a great bond of, uh, fealty, a bond of friendship and love and affection. In addition to uh, going through the difficulties and then surviving or overcoming the problems and difficulties, and uh, and then the triumphs, you know how close you become. So uh, Sanjaya is they didn't they didn't even tell Sanjaya, you know, that they were leaving, and so uh, this is a shock to him. But it's all in line with the scriptures, right? Vidura came the younger brother of Dhritarashtra. He's an incarnation of Yamaraj. Yamaraj is a Mahajan. He's one who understands Krishna perfectly and can explain perfectly Krishna and his energies and what's happening. And so Vidura comes at the opportune moment for, for Dhritarashtra and Gandharvi because he tells him, what are you doing sitting around here, this, this temple, enjoy, this palace, enjoying all this largesse of your nephews who killed your sons, <laughs> basically. Um, and it's not just because of that that the, he should leave, but it's, he points out the, the, the principle of Varna and Ashrama, that at the end of your life, you shouldn't be trying to, uh, still trying to enjoy the pleasures of a big house and lots of servants and an easy life because your, 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 your bodily functions are failing. And so Vidura makes it really clear to Dhritarashtra, you know, you gotta leave. Just leave in the dead of night and, and don't let anyone even know. And you can even go somewhere in the forest and just quit your body there and, and no one knows and you just completely surrender yourself to the supreme personality of Godhead. And, uh, 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 he, it, it's pointed out, you know, you won't, uh, 
just die, you know, you're not going there just on a death march. You'll be able to live in the forest or live in the Himalayas, live in the, the mountains. You get a cave or you make some shelter. You live by a, a nice uh, uh, stream or a, a lake and you have water and you can bathe. But you, you can spend your whole time, your whole life just concentrating on Krishna, chanting, and then preparing yourself to leave your body. And so Dhritarashtra understands the, the, this is what I need to do. And so Gandhari being a uh, perfect wife, a great example of a perfect wife, she follows her husband, even though she didn't have to. She could have stayed in the palace and enjoyed uh, grandchildren and uh, even others' kids and you know been a motherly, grandmotherly type person. But she didn't do that. She followed her husband to the with him went with him to the forest, knowing that this would be their end soon. But she understood, you know, that's the point of life. That's the point of this existence. We don't just uh, want to keep on enjoying the uh, uh, enjoyments of the household. Your kids are grown, or they're gone from the house, or even they're gone literally like Duryodhan and his brothers uh they weren't they weren't there anymore there was nothing for Gandhari and Dhritarashtra to uh to to be involved with them anymore so Krishna in one sense made it easier because they don't have these duties with this with children and family Krishna took these things away and it said like that too that Krishna will help us at the end he'll take things away that are impediments to our complete surrender in Krishna consciousness. And uh, the uh, uh, of course, Dhritarashtra took Vanaprast. He, he did not take sannyas. He took Vanaprast. And, and his wife went with him. And so this is just a nice arrangement too of Krishna, right? Because Dhritarashtra was blind, so he could use the help. And, uh, of course, Sanjaya probably would have agreed to come with him, but maybe Sanjaya, you know, wasn't old enough. He had other duties to, to perform for Krishna in his life, and, 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 and Sanjaya wasn't ready for Vanaprast. And so, um, but it probably would have been very hard for him to see Dhritarashtra leave. So, Dhritarashtra knew, I'll leave in the dead of night. I won't even tell Sanjaya. And so, uh, sometimes we see these things happen, right? Uh, this happened with, uh, it, this just popped into my, my head, maybe because Mishra Bhagavan is so in complete secrecy. He went to Varanasi, to the confluence of these rivers, and sometimes uh, people go there and they, they uh, commit suicide there in the, in the confluence of the three holy rivers by drowning themselves. And so we know that Mr. John Swami did this. He he paid some people to uh, to help him, and they are, I guess, uh, early euthanizers. <laughs> Euthanize. They know that sometimes very saintly persons, when they're ready to leave their body, uh, even involve you know voluntarily, they're they're. They apparently they, they help put chains around his body, right, to 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 drag down the body when he and then he jumped off a boat and then drowned. And so uh, he didn't he didn't consult. He didn't he didn't uh, you know he knew if he consulted if he spoke about this he would be talked out of it. He made up his mind and he did it. And. 
Tamal Krishna Maharaj asked Srila Prabhupada, you know, what does what what happened to Vishnu John? Srila Prabhupada and, and Prabhupada said, Vishnu John was very advanced. He said he did not need to do this. He did not need to do this. But as is is as Narada Muni is pointing out to Yudhisthira, he's not his body. He's a spirit soul. And the spirit souls are often very advanced in Krishna consciousness. So the soul retains all its Krishna consciousness. It's never lost. Uh, There's no loss or diminution on this path of bhakti. Anything you achieve spiritually from your bhakti practices, from your spiritual efforts, they are your eternal asset. And you keep them forever. So you're you're always improving. You're always becoming more. They are your eternal asset. And you keep them forever. So you're you're always improving. You're always becoming more. Oh, to avoid sinful activity, I'm going to commit suicide to please Prabhupada. And because I don't want to burden the spiritual master with my sinfulness, sinfulness uh, is a burden to the guru. He has to suffer the sins of his of his d- disciples, especially if they are sinful after they take initiation. So it's a it's a burden. It's a duty. It's a burden for the guru, the spiritual master. And it's a duty for the disciples not to misbehave, to follow the regulator principles very carefully. It's not easy to overcome the, the gunas. The modes of material nature are, are really strong. And Prabhupada points that out in the purport that uh, you can't overcome material nature. It's too strong. So Prabhupada points out, you know, uh, the translation is very interesting. How this is explained. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Those who are devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are the subsistence of the strong. And the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. Wow, this sounds like somebody who's who wants to eat meat and control everything and just do whatever they want. Is this justification for that? No, it's not. It's not justification for us to have dominion and control over the animals, that means we're stronger, so we can we can just kill them, slaughter them, and eat their meat, eat their flesh. No, that's not what this means. It is the general rule of Maya of the material world that the strong, uh, the weak are the subsistence of the strong. That means that the the strong shall live uh, uh, by exploiting the weak. And the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. This is animal, animal existence, right? Uh, eat or be eaten. And animals are always in anxiety for two things, right? They need to eat and they don't want to be eaten. So they're very scared while they're trying to eat the whole time. They're worried that they'll become prey for some bigger animal. And there's there's no limit to this. There's always stronger and strongest, weak, stronger and strongest. So uh, this is this is this is the nature of Maya Shakti. But Prabhupada points out 
that Krishna is always in control of the Maya, Maya Shakti. But there's material rules, and this is just part of the material world, that uh, the strong shall live at the expense of the weak, but human beings are meant for self-realization. And for that purpose, we're not to eat anything which is not first offered to the Lord. Everything must first be offered to Krishna. There's so many things we can offer to Krishna that are not from varieties to the Lord, and the devotees can partake of the prashad, the mercy. Once you offer it to Krishna and then you eat it, it becomes prashadam. And so, Prabhupada makes a, an amazing statement, and we've heard it before, but it's nice to hear it confirmed. The devotee can partake of the prashad, by which all suffering and the struggle for existence will be gradually mitigated. Wow! Very powerful. If we only honor Krishna Pashad, all suffering in, the, in our struggle for existence will be gradually mitigated. This is an amazing statement. And this is Sri Prabhupada saying this. And Krishna says, if my devotee says it, then it's true. So it will happen. It must happen. So all we have to do is partake of Prashad. And all suffering for, for, for existence in this material world will be gradually mitigated. Haven't we all seen that in our own lives? How our struggles have been mitigated to a great degree? There's still some struggles, there's still difficulty because we're still embodied spirit souls. So we have to deal with the material world. But hasn't it been made a, a whole lot easier? Hasn't Krishna mitigated so much suffering already? And so it will be gradually mitigated. And then at the end, we go back home. We go back to Godhead. We, we become completely purified. But Prabhupada says, all suffering in the struggle for existence will be gradually mitigated. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text 26. So let's read that. Chapter 9, text. 26. Srimad Bhagavad Gita Ki Jai. Translation 9.26. Very famous verse. I should know it. Patram pushpam falam toyam yo me bhaktya prashati tad aham bhakti uparatam asnani prayatmanaha. Translation, if one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I will accept it. So this is what Krishna is telling us. To get prashad, we have to offer Krishna foodstuffs that are vegetarian, and we have to offer it with love and devotion. And if it's offered with love and devotion, Krishna says he will accept it. Purport, for the intelligent person, it is essential to be in Krishna consciousness, engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, in order to achieve a permanent, blissful abode for eternal happiness. 
The process of achieving such a marvelous, marvelous result is very easy and can be attempted even by the poorest of the poor without any kind of qualification. The only qualification required in this connection is to be a pure devotee of the Lord. It does not matter what one is or where one is situated. The process is so easy that even a leaf or a little water or fruit can be offered to the Supreme Lord in genuine love, and the Lord will be pleased to accept it. No one, therefore, can be barred from Krishna consciousness because it is so easy and universal. Who is such a fool that he does not want to be Krishna conscious by this simple method and thus attain the highest perfectional life of eternity, bliss, and knowledge? Krishna wants only loving service and nothing more. Krishna accepts even a little flower from his pure devotee. He does not want any kind of offering from a non-devotee. He is not in need of anything from anyone because he is self-sufficient. And yet he accepts the offering of his devotee in an exchange of love and affection. To develop Krishna consciousness is the highest perfection of life. Bhakti is mentioned twice in this verse in order to declare more emphatically that bhakti or devotional service is the only means to approach Krishna. No other condition, such as becoming a brahmana, a learned scholar, a very rich man, or a great philosopher, can induce Krishna to accept some offering. Without the basic principle of bhakti, nothing can induce the Lord to agree to accept anything from anyone. Bhakti is never causal. The process is eternal. It is direct action in service to the absolute whole. Here, Lord Krishna, having established that He is the only enjoyer, the primeval Lord, and the real object of all sacrificial offerings, reveals what types of sacrifices He desires to be offered. If one wishes to engage in devotional service to the Supreme in order to be purified and to reach the goal of life, the transcendental loving service of God, then, what sh- then one should find out what the Lord desires of, desires of him. One who loves Krishna will give him whatever he wants, and he avoids offering anything which is undesirable or unasked. Thus, meat, fish, and eggs should not be offered to Krishna. If he desired such things as offerings, he would have said so. Instead, he clearly requests that a leaf, fruit, flour, and water be given to him. And he says of this offering, I will accept it. Therefore, we should understand that he will not accept meat, fish, and eggs. Vegetables, grains, fruits, milk, and water are the proper food for human beings and are prescribed by the Lord himself. Whatever else we cannot, whatever else we eat cannot be offered to him since he will not accept it. Thus we cannot be acting on the level of devotion if we offer such foods. In the third chapter, verse 13, Krishna explains that only the remains of sacrifice are purified and fit for consumption by those who are seeking advancement in life 
and released from the clutches of the material entanglement. Those who do not make an offering of their food, he says in the same verse, are eating only sin. In other words, their every mouthful is simply deepening their involvement in the complexities of material nature. But preparing nice, simple vegetable dishes, offering them before the picture or deity of Lord Krishna, and bowing down and praying for him to accept such a humble offering, enables one to advance steadily in life, to purify the body, and to create fine brain tissues, which will lead to clear thinking. Above all, the offering should be made with an attitude of love. Krishna has no need of food, since he already possesses everything that be. Yet, he will accept the offering of one who desires to place, to please him in that way. The important element in preparation, in serving and in offering, is to act with love for Krishna. The impersonalist philosophers who wish to maintain that the absolute truth is without senses cannot comprehend this verse of Bhagavad Gita. To them, it is either a metaphor or proof of the mundane character of Krishna, the speaker of the Bhagavad Gita. But in actuality, Krishna, the Supreme Godhead, has senses. And it is stated that his senses are interchangeable. In other words, one sense can perform the function of any others. That is what it means to say that Krishna is absolute. Lacking senses, he could hardly be considered full in all opulences. In the seventh chapter, Krishna has explained that he impregnates the living entities into material nature. This is done by his looking upon material nature. And so in this instance, Krishna is hearing the devotee's words of love in offering foodstuff is wholly identical with his eating and actually tasting. This point should be emphasized because of his absolute position. His hearing is wholly identical with his eating and tasting. Only the devotee who accepts Krishna as he describes himself without interpretation can understand that the supreme absolute truth can eat food and enjoy it. Shrimad Bhagavad Gita Ki Jai. <clears throat> Prabhupada continues in the purport that even those who are accustomed to eating animals can offer food stuff not to the Lord directly, but to an agent of the Lord under certain conditions of religious rites, injunctions of the Scripture, under certain conditions or of religious rites. Injunctions of the Scriptures are meant not to encourage the eaters of animal, but to restrict them by regulated principles. So this makes sense. So there's certain Scriptures that say you can, you can offer... Uh, dead animals in sacrifice, but not to Krishna, not to God himself, but to the demigods or to some other uh, entity. And then at least by that restriction of only eating the flesh of dead animals that have been offered in a special sacrifice, then at least they're getting some regulation of their eating of meat habit, right? 
they're not uh, completely lost in just uh, eating anything all the time. They at least have some regulation. And this is sort of like the beginning. It's like baby steps, right? For someone who loves meat, it will only eat meat at this under this restriction. At least it begins to help them. And, and we see this even in society today that people are beginning to understand, wow, this meat eating is not good for me, so at least I'll give up red meat, right? I'll give up cow flesh. And that's very good for a, 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 you know, a dedicated meat eater, at least give up eating cow. Uh, uh, you know, Indians in India and, and across the world, you'll go to places where there's some piety left because they don't serve cow. They'll serve lamb or goat as, as the red meat or the darker meat for people who have a taste for it. But they, they you know, they're, they're a little bit more pious because they're not serving cow. Um, of course, this is the first step. <laughs> These are the baby steps. Give up cow. Now give up lamb and goat and now give up chickens and aquatics and seafood and now give up now just eat vegetarian food stuff and we also have the restriction it's interesting not to eat even vegetarian food unless it's offered to krishna right and the food stuff has to be uh something that's offered with love and then krishna will accept it if it's not offered with love then Krishna won't accept it. So if we go to a restaurant and we try to eat, how can we do that? We didn't cook it. <laughs> we don't know where it was cooked, what it was cooked in, what's really in it. And so, you know, devotees will, will often be under a, a, a difficulty and they may have to eat out sometimes. But we shouldn't think that uh, this is going to be prashad just because we pray to Krishna, oh, please, Krishna, accept this. Uh, we can try and it's nice if we do that. Well, you know, if I had time, I would cook this for you and I would offer it if I wasn't under this restriction, this, this difficulty, uh, my job or family, okay, I have to eat out or there's nothing else, okay. Then you can, you, you, you can justify it, you know, we can rationalize things, but don't think that it's Krishna Prashad. Don't, you know, don't deny that you, you're actually, you're eating sin. You're, you're, as Prabhupada says, you're, and then you're, you're, you are eating sin and you're, you're actually then uh, becoming more entangled in the material energy. And it's a slippery slope, right? It's a slippery slope, meaning you can slip into uh, worse behavior by engaging in this behavior and saying, well, yeah, I'm staying vegetarian and I'm eating out, but I'm, I'm making sure it's only vegetarian food. But, but does it really help you? No. Does it really uh, mitigate the struggle for existence gradually? No, because you're not taking prashad. So... Uh, Probably, you know, it, this is understood that devotees were struggling, were trying to become free of the material modes, and uh, the, the the strongest one is the eating habit, right? So sometimes we buy food, prepare it outside, or we buy prepackaged food, but we should be uh, working to give this up and to only cooking uh, for Krishna, only making foodstuffs from scratch that can be offered to Krishna, and then if we eat that. There's no sin. Uh, it, there's no involvement in the material energy dragging our consciousness down by eating things that uh, haven't been offered to Krishna. Uh, so, so let's, uh, you know, and, and I'm speaking to myself, of, of course. I need to be more careful with this. And, and the more you do this, the more you can be Krishna conscious in a very natural and easy way. It, it does make it easier if you live under these principles strictly. 
uh, to become uh, more Krishna conscious. Uh, it, it, it's this material sense of um, stronger living beings and uh, overwhelming the weak. Uh, it's there in the material world. But Prabhupada points out we shouldn't be anxious about this. Uh, Prabhupada states that um, every living being, everywhere, anywhere, every living being gets enough to eat. No living being starves for want of food at any place. This is amazing. Prabhupada states this. Is this really true? Because aren't people starving in different places of the world? Yes. And they were starving in different places of the world when Prabhupada wrote this. But what it means is that persons that are, have artificially, uh, are, are suffering from their karma are starving because it is their karma to be in this position. They, mostly it's because they've moved to cities and they uh, have chosen, not chosen, but they're, they're undergoing difficulties, karma. They want to, uh, we see homeless, you know, they're more addicted to intoxication and self-medicating than, and they don't, they, so they accept the, the horribleness of living on the street, of, of sleeping on the ground and, and living this way so that they can, uh, have freedom and enjoyment. And so there's the, based on that decision, you know, they suffer. And so that's their karma. They've made these decisions, so they suffer the consequences. And so anywhere you see starvation, it's this is there for those persons. They've made these decisions. It may be past lifetimes, but they're suffering for a reason. They're suffering for lack of food. They're suffering with a lack of food by lack of, of enlightened leadership. You know, uh, the strong hurting the weak again. So it's, it's something that... Uh, if rains don't come, there's no grain, right? And this is a huge, huge problem in the world right now. Lack of water, lack of good, clean water for drinking, for growing crops. Why does rain come? Rain comes from sacrifice. Sacrifice of animals? No. Sacrifice of human beings being spiritual. The sacrifice of being a spiritual person, and specifically the sacrifice of the Sankirtan Yagya, there has to be chanting of Hare Krishna congregationally in the streets, in the temples, and on your beads. And when you do this, rain comes. Krishna is pleased by devotees making the effort to be Krishna conscious and engaging in the Sankirtan sacrifice of chanting the holy names. And if this happens, then... then all of the world can be perfectly balanced and there can there won't be any uh, scarcity. The big problem is scarcity that comes from lack of water and then the grains aren't grown and then there's scarcity and people suffer. And they're suffering because of lack by Narada not to worry about his uncle's suffering for want of food that could live on vegetables available in the jungles as prashad of the Supreme Lord and thus realize the path of salvation. So Krishna takes care of us materially and if we're trying a little bit then, then, then we're helping ourselves spiritually and Krishna wants to see this. He wants our love. Krishna doesn't eat. You know, he, doesn't need to, he doesn't need to eat what you've made. He's in the spiritual world. 
What does he want to taste? What is it he really wants when you make an offering to him? He wants your love. He, he, under, he wants to feel the reciprocation of love. That you've cooked a nice meal for him. You offer to his deity. You offer to a picture of him in love. And, and you didn't just do it for yourself and your own taste. Now you can make tasty things because we like to honor and eat tasty things. But at the same time, it's a loving thing for Krishna. And as you do it more and more, you become more advanced. And you, you, you become uh, something where you, you only want to eat such foodstuffs because your mind is becoming purified and your consciousness is such that you're, you're becoming Krishna conscious and then this is what you do when you're Krishna conscious. You know, you don't sit there and, and make a plan to eat something else. You make a plan in your life and you live such a way that you can offer things to Krishna. Prabhupada makes the, the, the point for the final time uh, Exploitation of the weaker living being by the stronger is the natural law of existence. There is always an attempt to devour the weak in different kingdoms of living beings. There is no possibility of checking this tendency by any artificial means under material condition, conditions. No, nothing artificial or material can, can fix this, fix that problem. The, the, the natural law of the strong getting on the weak. It can be checked only by awakening the spiritual sense of the human being by practice of spiritual regulations. The spiritual regulative principles, however, do not allow a man to slaughter weaker animals on the one side and then teach other peace and then teach others peace, peaceful coexistence on the other side. If man does not allow the animals to live peacefully, to coexist with them, then how can he expect peaceful existence in human society? And we've heard this before. If you kill large animals, it's easier to kill a human being. And so uh, if you're not in the habit of killing anything, then you're, you're going to have a pretty hard time keep killing a human being uh, for some uh, material reason. Uh, Self-defense is different, but... This is in, in, in existing with others, in, in being lustful or envious or, or hungry for to eat the flesh of some animal, you know, that that can 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 go away if you're not slaughtering animals and eating their flesh. If you give that up that tendency, then the spiritual practice of not doing that, you know, offering only vegetable prashad to Krishna, then you lose this desire you lose the bloodlust you lose the ability to be so callous and to you know you 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 reawaken your uh mercy your respect for other living entities but it's it's easy to fall down that path and we can see now why with so much animal slaughter especially of large animals cows especially you can see why there's war there's people hurting each other uh, for silliest of reasons, you know, absolutely no reason at all, and uh, it's it's a, a a huge problem. So it, it's not just a problem; it's the way the material world will always be. The only way to uh, change it is to uh, awaken the spiritual sense of the human being by practice of spiritual regula- regulations. It's not enough that we just do it. We have to do it as an example and others see it and they'll follow it. 
but we have to give this knowledge and give these practices to others so that the kingdom of God or Ram Raja is, is possible. Prabhupada said that before, that this world could be the way it was like Ayodhya when Lord Ram was the king and everything was practically Vaikuntha, right? There was, there was no anxiety. There was sufficiency of food and water. There was no scarcity of foodstuffs. And everyone lived peacefully in coexistence in a wonderful, loving way because of the wonderful leadership of Lord Ram. Now, we don't have Lord Ram uh, extant in, in the world now, but Prabhupada said it's possible to, to be as good as the, the time of Lord Ram uh, if if we start helping people to awaken their God consciousness in the mass mind of the people of the world, th- this is going to be what saves the world for the next many thousands of years, right? Before Kali Yuga comes in most powerfully, uh, there'll be a golden age of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and this knowledge will spread. And Srila Prabhupada said, there's no question of it, it will happen. The only question is, who will get credit for having done that? So let's try to live our lives in such a way that we can we can help spread this movement. Excuse me, that we can uh, be 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 amongst the, the the persons that Lord Krishna walks up to when when we leave our bodies and we we meet Krishna in the next life, and he Krishna walks up and embraces us. Well, of course, first we pass out a couple times because Krishna is so beautiful, but then Krishna says says to us. Well done, you know, good job. You did well. And we can just imagine Krishna welcoming Prabhupada back when he went back to Godhead and how happy Krishna is to see someone dedicate their lives to bringing back the fallen souls. Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Srimad Bhagavatam ki.